You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Kraken fans, and welcome to episode 12 of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host, Tyler Bell, located in the icy, cold, snowy Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And of course, once again, we're joined here by my co-host, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, buddy? Not too bad, man. Thanks. How about you? Oh, doing not too, too bad. What'd you get up to today? Oh, I just worked. Just slaving away in the cold. Yeah, that work life in Canada kind of thing going on? Yeah, you know, just putting some houses up, trying to stay out of the wind, which wasn't a good thing today, but it is what it is. Yeah, that Canadian cold, uh, it'll get you. And uh, especially down where you are, where the, uh, where it's, you know, it's 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 a little cold there. It's a little cold, but I mean, I don't think you guys are getting uh, well, minus twelve weather right now, are you? Not yet, but we'll get there. We're I think we're like there. plus one today, so hooray! And the moisture in the air too down there, it gets right to your bones and it uh, chills you right out. So, uh, you know, tough for working it out though, and uh, working through a Saturday. So, cheers to you! Oh, thanks, man. But all that cold means one thing, and it is the month of December now, Alec. The month of December. What does that mean? Do you know what that means? Nah, screw Christmas. We're going for Boxing Day, baby. Boxing Day, and it ain't about the deals. It's not about that at all. It's about one thing, and that's World Junior Hockey. How pumped are you about that? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to do nothing but watch hockey for two weeks. I mean, not like that's not what I do anyways, but. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, looking at World Juniors, why do we get so excited for it? Why Why is it that World Juniors is the some of the best hockey to watch? Well, I always thought, you know, the Canadian perspective of it is you get up after Christmas there, you're with the family, you're enjoying the holidays, and all of a sudden it's go time. We all gather around the TV. We get some good old Canadian boys on the screen there. No offense, America and everyone else who may be listening, but we usually kick ass. Yeah, uh, you know, in the past we did a lot, but if you take a look at the last nine years in uh, the World Juniors, we're in a three-way tie with two other countries for the most gold in that time. So we have three golds. 
the USA has three golds and Finland has three golds all in the last nine years. So, you know, it's anyone's race now and it does make it even that much more exciting, you know, having other teams uh, compete and, and, you know, do just as good. So, you know, it's anyone's game out there, but I am just absolutely pumped to watch some world junior hockey along with some crack and hockey, of course. Oh, absolutely. I will say I went from like a 10 and a half to a nine and a half though when i found out brant clark wasn't going to be there that's some bullshit i'm still pissed about that yeah that's a, that's an odd decision by hockey canada there uh, he's what like the leading scorer for defensemen in the ohl right now captaining his team for the barry colts so a uh, pretty questionable decision to say the least i'd i'd say probably the best right-handed d under 20 in canada yeah and he doesn't even get an invite to the primal to the prim roster there so the pre-roster so it's not even the official team like doesn't even get a look at it that's kind of sad so um you know a bit shocking to say the least he was what eighth overall to uh la kings this past draft so uh you thought for sure he'd be you know probably a lock on the team i did yeah and you know what it is what it is. The best thing is the the tournaments in North America uh, because it always sucks when it's always in Europe because I, we don't really enjoy getting up at 3.30, 4 in the morning to watch those games. So it's always better when uh, all the games are on normal times and it's a lot easier to catch those hockey games. So anybody listening, if you haven't watched the World Juniors or you're not up to date with it, definitely want to check it out this year. I mean, we have a huge prospect we're going to talk about later in the show who's going to be a part of it, who is in the Kraken system. That's Matty Beneers. He's going to be a huge part of that uh, USA World Juniors team. And it's just some of the best hockey you will watch, you know, besides playoff hockey and besides, you know, the top games, maybe the medal rounds in the Olympics. I'd put it right up to the top level of hockey you could watch. What would you say? I'd say year after year, it is the best hockey you can watch. Sure, you get, like, maybe the Stanley Cup Finals is pretty damn good, depending on which team gets in there. I mean, no one wants to see Tampa Bay slaughter Montreal four and a half games in a row. Yeah, that was But usually World Juniors are quite competitive. Yeah, and they always, you know, it's all these young kids who are absolutely gunning it, giving everything they got every shift, high pace, high tempo very exciting and the crowds are just absolutely nuts so yeah i am pumped for that i mean christmas is cool sure i mean you know get to see some family this year which i'm psyched about be able to fly home it's been a while thank you covid um but the world juniors baby i am absolutely psyched and yeah just excited so the kraken have been playing some pretty awesome hockey why don't we jump right into some of those game reviews what do you say let's get to it Sweet. Last week, uh, they played game number 22. It was in Buffalo. That was November 29th. Just some notes going into the game, too. Uh, Drager got a second start in a row, so it was good to see him get into some back-to-back hockey games like that. So uh, that was really good. The rest of the lineups were pretty much the same uh, as they were in the game against Florida, which was the last game they played. And then the only difference was Will Borgen getting a crack into the lineup, getting to face his former squad. Uh, what do you say, revenge game for him? Here's hoping. You know, anytime you get a chance to have a big game for somebody on your team, you're hoping everyone else steps up as well. And maybe that's what Hackstall was thinking here. Nice for Borgen yeah. to play all his buddies again and a little bit of pump up for the boys. 
Exactly. Just his second NHL game. So, uh, well, for the Kraken. So money on the board, perhaps? Yeah, you got to think so. You got to think so. Anytime uh, a player gets taken in the expansion draft and then plays his former squad, I feel like it's always, uh, uh, you know, some kind of reason to to bring it up a notch and compete. So jumping right into this one, uh, things got off to a quick start. The top line had some really nice passing plays that uh, uh, led, almost led to the first goal in this one. It was Schwartz with a nice tic-tac-toe from all three zones uh, with his line mates there. Just beautiful execution on how to move the puck, really. Yeah, then Hayden Fleury takes the first illegal play in the hockey game with a tripping call behind his own net. And I got to say, thank you, Hayden Flurry, because the Kraken now officially have their first ever shorthanded goal in Kraken history. How awesome was that to see? Oh, you'll love to see it. I mean, anytime you can say you got another first tonight for the organization is pretty great. I mean, shorthanded goals, you know, they're tough to come by. It'll probably be a little while before we see another one of them, though, right? You would think so. Like, that first one was nice, though, like Yanni Gord. Uh, he carried the puck into the offensive zone. You know, he found a, a pinching Carson Susie, who just takes that pass and rips a half clapper under the bar for his third goal of the year. And that pi- that puck hit the pipe so hard, must have ruptured some eardrums from those Sabre fans that were watching uh, from just behind the net there. So that was an absolute bomb. And, yeah, it was a pretty good period uh, from the Kraken. But they do get another penalty. Just about six minutes left in the first when Donato goes off for a trip. And Derm, can you guess what happened next? No. Did they? They get another shorthanded goal. They got another shorthanded goal. So they go 21 games, don't have any. And then back-to-back power plays against, two for two for shorthanded goals. How crazy is that? That'll help the averages. Definitely help the averages and something you don't see too often, right? Two shorties uh, in the same game, let alone the same period, let alone back-to-back power plays. So uh, that was very exciting to see. And yeah, this time it was Tanev uh, with off his own stick check from Darlene, just, you know, uh, pinching the guy at the point there. He gets a breakaway and he's just getting hooked and held on to the whole time. Ref arm goes up for the penalty, but it doesn't matter because Turbo fights through the hook and he buries his eighth goal of the season. Two nothing cracking, two penalties, two shorties, too sick to a start of a hockey game. Hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> and they still weren't done. McCann says, I want in on the action too. And he goes and buries a goal in the final minute of the period. And that was a bit of a fake shot, almost, would you say, from uh, Alexiak there that found him all alone in front of the net? Yeah, just a little bit of a half wind up there and just fires it down to the post. McCann was ready for it. McCann was ready and he had a wide open net to put that in. 3 nothing cracking in the first. Are you kidding me? What a start for this team. Felt like Oprah was just there standing in the crowd handing out goals for Seattle in that first, eh? Oh, if she could do that more often, I'd be a happy guy. Yeah, and I mean, you can't really have a better start to a game. You're up 3 nothing. Shots were 12-11 uh, for the Kraken. And make no mistake, Drieger had a really good first period as well. And then taking a look at that second... Started off with uh, Sabres getting one past Drieger, 
with a goal from Kyle Ocposo that kind of, you know, found a funny hop off the boards, right? And then he finds its way towards that and Brett Murray. Brett Murray, don't know who he is, no idea, but he scored his very first NHL goal on the, on the play as he was able to sneak it past Drieger inside the post. 3-1 game. But just halfway through that period, Kanner takes a feed from a strong forecheck down low from Geeky, and he buries a one-timer past Tukarski for his second Geno of the night. And damn, what a play there by Geeky, eh? Yeah, that was beautifully executed. I mean, throw it out front like that, just one hand on the stick. Yeah, it, it was nasty. And that forecheck from Geeky, too, to just be able to get there. And then, yet, like you said, he one-handed passed it from the corner out front for a one-timer. Uh, it doesn't get prettier than that, does it? No, not usually. Not for us. No. <laughs> just before the end of the, the period, though, the crack can get into even more penalty trouble uh, when Larson skated <sighs> to the sin bin. And this time around, Buffalo does score on the man advantage, and it's... And it's Jeff Skinner who buries that puck once again, takes another lively bounce off the boards and ends up on his stick. And like that, you got a 4-2 hockey game. It's okay, though, because we're still outscoring their power play with our shorthanded unit. Exactly. So yeah, that's definitely a plus one there. And why not add one more goal before the period ends, right? Mason Appleton, with his very first goal in a Kraken jersey, finds a rebound off a point shot from Will Borgen uh, facing his former squad, right? Uh, and he picks up his very first point as a Kraken on the play in just his second game of the year. So what a huge moment for Will Borgen there. Definitely a revenge game. Yeah, definite revenge game, especially when you're making plays like that. Um, you know, that's huge for him. He hasn't had much ice time. So uh, to be able to go in and, you know, prove that you're able to do things and, and make things happen, that's huge for him. And, you know, you have to love what you've seen from this team through the first 40 minutes, right? Yeah, I mean, anytime you can come out just dominating against a team like this through 40, you got to love your odds going into the third period here. Yeah, but what you're not going to love is giving up a goal just 37 seconds into the third period, which is exactly what happened when Skinner picks up his second goal of the night. Another guy with double-digit goals. Yeah, and then followed up by the fourth penalty of the game for the crack, and as Schwartz goes off for interference just 30 seconds after giving up that goal. But uh, luckily enough, Drieger did, st he stood tall and Seattle was able to kill it off. And without scoring a goal this time. Yeah. And, you know, that was the first penalty of this game where uh, there wasn't a goal scored. So uh, <laughs> you're in the third period. That's kind of insane. And yeah, if you're you a know, fan was... going to this game for entertainment, you certainly got it. Oh, you're certainly getting tons, right? Uh, especially being a Kraken fan. <laughs> it was right after that penalty when we found out Jordan Everly wasn't returning to the game. Uh, he left the game with a lower body injury. Uh, so there was a play where he was kind of driving the net there, and it looked like he toe-picked on the ice when he was driving the net. Um, and that happened in the second period, and it looked like it just tweaked his knee kind of wrong there. So unfortunate for him. Uh, and he never did come back into the game. So, you know, hoping it's not a long-term thing. It didn't look too bad, but uh, all it takes is the wrong tweak and the wrong movement, and that could be multiple weeks out uh, with an injury, right? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially you hope it is just something small, but if it was his ankle, I mean, those are the ones that everyone always says like, oh, ankle sprains, that might be worse than breaking it. So you just yeah, never especially... know, right? Oh yeah. You never know. And like, like you said, especially with a high ankle sprain too. I remember having one of those back in junior. I was out for quite a while and yeah, those suck. They take a while to heal from. So, uh, you know, hoping that, that he's okay, but, uh, you know, hopping back into this one after some great defensive play from the Kraken, they retake their three goal lead in this game off a great three on two goal from Jaden Schwartz, a slick feed from Yanni Gord and Don Skoy who just joined that line after Ebbs left the game. Uh, so it was 6-3 th- Kraken with 6-16 left in the third. Buffalo yeah, would should. pop one last goal in, uh, but it was too little too late for them as Appleton was able to bury his second of the game and second of the season with an empty net goal to lock in the big win for the Kraken. How big is that? Oh, it's huge. I mean, an offensive outburst like that is nothing but a confidence booster for this team. It doesn't matter who it's against. I mean, even though Buffalo went full Buffalo, which I think we both kind of called, we had a good first two months and I realized we suck. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of called that last pod. So uh, we expected a win. We got the win. Uh, It was a great game and it just clearly seems like this team has turned a corner with the way they're playing. Uh, And it looks like they're, playing the style of hockey that they were built to play from uh, from GM Ron Francis, eh? Yeah, it certainly looks like they knew what they were doing when they were putting this team together now. Just wanted to give them time to gel and get into it. They made, maybe didn't get off to the quickest jump like Vegas did, but it's also quite a very different team than what Vegas had. So It is quite different, yeah. It's built totally different. Um, and... Yeah, it's it's just been a, such an exciting team, especially as of late. And, you know, this game, like there's tons of players with great offensive games in this one. You take a look at some stats. Tanev had three points, a goal and two assists. McCann, two goals. Appleton, two goals. His first two of the season, it's been slow for him. Uh, and then Yanni Gordon and Geeky there, two assists each. And then another seven other players with at least a point in this game. So, uh, like you said, offensive outburst in this one. Yeah, I really like Borgen's game a lot too tonight. You know, he looked steady. He played well defensively, and then he led the team in blocks with three. So you got to find your niche, and it seems like he tried to do that. Yeah, he had an excellent game, and uh, you could tell too after the game they gave him the pirate hat for player of the game after a win in the locker room, which is a brand new thing they're doing now. So. You know, he deserved that pirate hat. He wore it with pride. And to come in there, lead your team with block shots, uh, you know, that's just showing heart and will out there. And, you know, showing your coach you'll do whatever it takes to stay in the lineup. Don't send me down. Yeah. And and he hasn't even been down. He's just been scratched too. So, you know, he's just been sitting in the press box, you know, wondering if he could eat a hot dog or not so uh luckily i don't, I don't think he's ate much because he looked fine out there so um great game by the kraken for sure uh, a couple nights later they would play game number 23 in detroit so the first game in december as well and yeah going into this game seattle was just hit with the injury bug so uh, i guess last game cost them quite a bit against buffalo because not only was eberly out but schwartz was out Yarncrock, Borgen was out with an injury, even though, you know, we thought he was okay. And then Drieger as well. 
all out with lower body injuries and not in the lineup for this matchup. Uh, so that's a tough blow for the team. Yeah, but, you know, we would get to see Cole Lynn called up and, of course, your boy Joey Dak. Yeah, I love it when Joey Dak's back with the Kraken. He's my boy. Love him. And then Cole Lynn getting an opportunity again. Uh, great to see him uh, get that chance. And then again, Captain Gio was still listed on COVID protocol for this game as well. So, you know, when key players are out, it always means uh, you need to see your depth players step up in the lineup and make big things happen, right? Yeah, especially with Detroit being 11-9-3 heading into this one. You know, they're fourth in the Atlantic. It's a big year for Detroit. Grice has been playing well in net. He's going against tonight. So we have a German versus German tonight. Yeah, well, how cool was that? The German versus German goaltending matchup? Uh, I, I can't even remember the last time that happened, if it has. Yeah, I can't think of any. I can't either. And... Yeah, let's give some credit to Detroit here. 11-9-3, like you said, sitting, uh, you know, heading into the game, of course. Um, and then just the fact that they've got off to this hot start and they're playing really good, like how impressive has this team been? They've been phenomenal, you know, for expectations coming into the year. I'm sure everybody thought, ah, bottom of the league again. They suck. Their young kids have been great. Their vets have been pretty steady too, and like we talked about Dylan Larkin looks like he's having fun playing hockey again, just having a fucking blast out there. Yeah, he definitely does. Like he he's definitely playing with a smile on his face. He's had a, a bad run of a lot of bad years with Detroit there. And like you said, he didn't look the happiest at times, but he's putting a smile on his face now uh, that he gets to, to play with Lucas Raymond, who, you know, was a big factor for them so far and a big one in this game. So just hopping right into this game. It was good back and forth hockey between the two teams. Looked pretty evenly matched, actually, uh, in the first period. And then halfway through, uh, halfway through the first, Appleton takes the dreaded delay of game penalty. So explain to uh, some of the listeners what a delay of game penalty is. Well, if you're in the defensive zone, your own end inside the blue line, and you shoot the puck or knock the puck out of play up over the glass, doesn't matter if it's an accident. You're getting two. Go sit in the sim bin, buddy. Yeah, you're getting two minutes for it every single time, and it's just just a crappy penalty to take because you know all you're trying to do all you're trying to do is just just put a puck off the glass and get it out. And you know sometimes those players miss the glass, puck rolls up on their stick. Uh, you know, it's a split second decision like that. And next thing you know, you're sitting in the box. So tough to take, uh, but it happens, right? Yeah, everybody's been there once. Yep. Oh, yeah. Everyone's been there once. But uh, Seattle's strong penalty kill as of late continues that trend. And they get away from that penalty without taking any damage. So good on them. And then with about 442 left in the first period, Lazon gets a pass. Uh, from down low back to the point where he steps into one and rips it home. But the play is immediately waved off due to goaler, goaltender interference from Mason Appleton making contact with Grice before the shot went in. So that would have been Ooh. nice for Lazon to bury that one there, but uh, didn't count, unfortunately. He's had a rough go. Yeah, and then right after that, of course, Geeky goes off for slashing. Way to help out, boys. Or, you know, trying to trot the Detroit players' hands off. Like, literally take about 20% off her there, bud. Holy fuck. 
tone her down a little bit. That was a bit brutal. Uh, like that slash was a bit aggressive. I mean, it looked like he was trying to snap a stick in half pretty much. So, so geeky. Yeah. You're going to sit for two for that for sure. Uh, but it was a uh, former Riley or former Detroit Red Wings, Riley Shahan, who uh, creates some offense and is able to draw a penalty of his own and to even things up. So it's not like it hurt them. Um, but then, you know, it's future rookie of the year, Lucas Raymond, Ooh. who sneaks a shot past Grubauer at a very tight angle. Damn, this kid is good. But hold up. Coach Hack challenges the play for offside and would win the challenge. No goal. No bueno for you, Mr. Raymond. It can't be that good then. He didn't <laughs> know if it was offside. Yeah, and both teams now tied at one in this game with waved off goals. So look at that. Yeah. Talk about an even period of play. Yeah, you know, definitely even. Shots were even seven six, and hits were eight six, eight seven, both for the Kraken. Yeah, so even the stats are even, and yeah, you could just watch how uh, these two teams were just duking it out, and you know, the second period got underway right where it left off. It was high pace, good offensive chances again for both teams. Drew Bauer making huge breakaway saves. And then, unfortunately, it's more penalty trouble. Detroit already with their third power play of the game just three minutes into the period after what felt like 20 chances for Detroit. They finally get one past Grubauer when Robbie Fabry has a puck, find his own stick there after going off the side of the post. one nothing Wangs. Wangs. And then at the halfway point, it's Seattle's turn to go to the man advantage for once. It was actually yeah, the third it, time in this hockey game. It wasn't for once. I'm full of shit. Yeah, but I think that was like their first full penalty or full uh, power play. So um, It felt like yeah. it was the first one. Yeah, and then the crack and tie the game. With ah! an absolute, absolute piss missile from top shelf from, dumb, from Dunn there. Uh, JoJo Wenberg got the apples on the play. And it just seems like every goal Dunn gets is just a snipe upstairs. This guy definitely needs to start shooting more from the back end. It's only his second goal of the year. And his first one came in their home opener back on October 23rd against uh, Vancouver. So that was the first ever cracking goal in history as well at home. Well, that's a bit of a slide. Gets the first one and then takes him that long to get the next one. Come on, Vincent. Yeah, uh, he's got a great shot too. He doesn't shoot enough. So uh, I'd like to see him start shooting more for sure going forward. And then, yeah, about a minute after that goal, though, the Kraken get their first lead of the hockey game off a filthy passing play. Donskoy makes a nice pass to Gord, who looks ready to take a take a shot, but he absolutely fakes everyone out in the building, and he finds Donato all alone at the far side of the net, and he has nothing but net uh, for a relatively easy goal. 2-1 Kraken late in the second period. I mean, you love to see it. But, of course, the Wings tie the game shortly after because why not continue to keep this tight-knit seesaw battle going back and forth? Nemestikov's able to squeeze a shot past Grubauer. So, you know what? Let's just go to the third tied again. Yeah, why not? It's a tight-knit game. Uh, it's a good test on the road. And anytime you're going into the third period on the road uh, in a tie game, most of the time you're going to be pretty happy and you're going to take that. So, unfortunately, though... Just six and a half minutes into the third, rookie sensation Lucas Raymond uh, exacts his revenge from earlier off that waved-off goal and scores a nice spin-around shot from the slot to give Detroit that one-goal lead. Damn you, Raymond. Damn you. 
yeah. then just shortly after that, Dunn almost tied the game up with another rip, but he found Twine and it didn't go in. So uh, like I said, please keep shooting more Dunn because uh, he's got a shot and he, he's got to use it more often. Yeah, you know, the Kraken don't go away either. It's Donato who has been shooting and shooting quite well, actually. He walks in on his off wing and just wires one top shelf, far post, ties this game. Second goal of the game. Let the seesaw battle continue. Yeah, heck of a game. Like, and great way for the Kraken to battle back into it. And then how about Grubauer, though? Like, he made a huge, a couple huge saves, one off Adam Ernie right after Donato tied the game. And, like, what a save to make there with less than three minutes left to keep the game tied and send it to overtime. Yes. Three three, baby. OT, baby. Let's go. We haven't seen much of it from this team yet, but uh, it's just the most exciting hockey there is, is when it goes to three-on-three three in regular season, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you give me five-on-five five overtime in the playoffs. Oh, all night. Yeah, I do love that. I I I, I could take overtime hockey any day of the week. And then going into OT here, Yanni Gord almost ended it with a sweet drive to the net. Uh, the guy was just a buzzsaw all night, but he's not able to end the game there. And then that's pretty much the only highlight we've seen in the in OT because Detroit basically just cycled the puck in and out of the offensive zone for what felt like four straight minutes after that. Boo. But it did lead to the first ever shootout in Kraken history. So that was pretty exciting. Woo! Tough blow for them, though, having, you know, two of probably who'd be your top shootout guys out in Eberle. Eberle, for sure. He's one of the best in the league, in my opinion. Oh, he's opinion. money. He's money, right? He's got his leg kicks. He's fakes, you know, backhand, forehand, backhand. It's usually top shelf on the backhand. Uh, he's just absolutely nasty. And then Schwartz too. He, he's another guy who can put it away on a shootout too. So definitely missing those guys hurts. Um, but just breaking down what happened here, Detroit missed their first opportunity. Donato gets a crack. He misses. Detroit comes back. Larkin scores on it. Then McCann misses, which would set up Raymond for the winner, but he hits the post. Donskoy then has to score and he does. He makes it happen. And that was a bit of a fluky one that went in, wasn't it? Yeah, just a bit of a soft bounce there. It happened to find its way past the goaltender, which, you know, they don't ask how. They just ask how many. Yeah, and even the, they even had to review it because they weren't sure if he actually meant to do it on purpose or not. <laughs> so, But it found its way in, which was great. But that would mean sudden death, right? And Detroit's first shooter for sudden death, Adam Ernie, he goes down. He's able to bury it past Gru. And then the game is on the stick of Wenberg, but he can't put it home. So the Kraken lose their first ever shootout 4-3 to the Red Wings. I mean, shit. It was cool to see a first shootout. You'd like to see the extra point go your way, but whatever. We'll mm -hmm. just get the next one, you know. They wrap up the road trip 2-1-1 one, and one, and plays their best hockey that we've seen from this team. So we'll take it. Yeah, I, I agree. So it's some of the best hockey, and... You know, they were down in the third period. They fought back. They still got that point in the game. So that's a huge point to pick up anytime you're down in the third on the road. So good for them. Like we said, Gord was a buzzsaw all night, I thought. Like, he he looked great. Donato had a great game as well. He popped in two, two more goals for him. Um, Dunn looked great, especially after his goal. He looked more confident out there. And then another 
kind of rough go for Lazan tonight, wasn't it? Or tonight, I say, but in that game. Yeah, you know, minus two, and he was kind of in on every play Detroit scored on. So, yikes. Yeah, it wasn't really defending quite well there, uh, missing some of his assignments, and even the waved-off goal he was in on. So, not a great look for him. He had a goal waved off, too. That doesn't help. Uh, and then even the other stats in this game were pretty even. So, it was a great matchup here. Like, face-offs were 26-23 in favor of the Wings. Both teams were one for three on the power play. Both teams had 22 hits apiece. And then Detroit had 26 shots to Seattle's 24. So, you know, overall, it was just a great hockey game, to be honest. It would have been nice to go get away with the win there, but uh, you, you take the point and move on, right? Yeah, exactly. And moving on, they played just the other night against the Edmonton Oilers in their 24th game of the season. Back at home, starting a four-game homestand, so so that's pretty awesome. Looking to exact revenge on a 5-2 loss they had earlier in the year against the Oilers. So uh, they're going to have to get it done without uh, their full lineup again, though. Eberle was out, Schwartz was out again, Yarncroc, Drieger was out again, which means Grubauer is in between the pipes for this one for the, for the tough assignment against uh, Oilers and their top stars. Yeah, and, and then, then you know Borgen's back. Yeah, sorry, I was just gonna say Borgen was back healthy, but he was healthy scratched. You know, I'm not really sure. I'm a fan of that. He had a pretty good game against Buffalo. Why not put him back in? Yeah, that's true. Like maybe they're a bit nervous getting him in against that top team there. But yeah, great point. He was a healthy scratch. He was, you know, he was on the injured list uh, the game before, just day to day, but healthy for this one, and then scratched for the game. So. Yeah, maybe a bit questionable for sure, or questionable. And then, you know, a big tough matchup, of course, in this one. You're facing off against the Edmonton Oilers. They're 16-5 and heading into the game. And, you know, obviously Edmonton has the biggest guns in the league, right? McJesus, Dreisaitl, you have to find a way to shut them down as much as possible, right? Which seems like an impossible task this season, because even in the games where McDavid only gets a point or none, you turn around and Dreisaitl's got four and vice versa. It's like, what the hell do you want me to do? Yeah, even if you're lucky enough to shut down one, it seems like the other one has a three or four point game. So, you know, one of the best ways you can do it is staying out of the box. And the Kraken are ranked second in the NHL when it comes to giving up penalties. So they do quite well for themselves in that department, not taking uh, many penalties. So <laughs> you better not because Edmonton going into the game was a staggering 36% on the man advantage. Uh, and you do not want to test those percentages out against them, do you? No, absolutely not. Like you said, that's the best way to try and shut McDavid and dry settle down is don't give them extra time and space on the power play. Don't take any penalties. No, don't at all. A little fun stat heading into the game too. Edmonton, 7-0-0 against divisional opponents going into the game, while the Kraken, 0-5-0. Like... Ooh. Something's got to give, right? Hopefully both. Yeah, and it started out pretty awesome for the Kraken. They came out flying out of the gate in this one uh, with Gorgeous sniping a shot up high on a three-on-two just 49 seconds into the game. And that's how you get your, your home crowd into a game early, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. That, and they just continue to pepper shots on Skinner. You know, just keep throwing them at him, keeping the offense going. 
eight shots against in just the first five minutes, you're going to exhaust the goaltender. You're fucking buzzing around out there feeling like you're on cloud nine and the fans are just screaming for you. Yeah, that's definitely the start you want. But, you know, after that hot start, Larson takes the first penalty of the game for interference against his former teammate, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And the best power play makes the crack and pay. Goal scoring later in the NHL, Leon Dreisaitl with his 21st of the year, and it's back to a tied hockey game. Yeah, you know, not for long, though, because Adam Larson makes up for his mistake by burying one against his former squad and retakes the lead. Two on yeah, what a way! Yeah, what a way to answer there, especially after you were the one who took that penalty, and you know you go out there and you make a goal happen. But you know it wasn't all him on that goal; it was the hard work of Donskoy, who brought the puck into that zone. He made that sweet spinorama around, uh, spin around play. You know, almost had a lane to the net, but took it around the net. Uh, was able to hold on to it, create a play over to McCann. He passed it to Larson, and then he sniped that goal. Uh, low shot there on the the blocker side. So, you know, Donskoy may not be scoring goals, but he's playing really well for this team, and it's only a matter of time before he does uh, pop in some of his few, or a few of his own, I should say. Yeah, he's been making some skilled plays and racking up the assists lately too. Yeah, and he's on like a five or six game assist streak right now too. So playing really well and – you know what? I'll throw out a prediction. This upcoming week is going to pop two goals. Ooh. Calling it right now. Yeah. So just, uh, you know, you heard it here first. <laughs> and then hopping back into this one, just a minute 36 left in the first. Dunn takes a slash on McJesus. And the refs missed the original high stick on that play too. Um, McJesus kind of had on Dunn there. And then that's why Dunn slashed him. So, you know, of course they missed that one. But what they didn't miss is that trip on Donskoy just 38 seconds after that, and that would negate that power play for Edmonton, and it would finish that period with the Kraken holding on to that one-goal lead. And that was just a high-paced, action-packed period, great hockey, and just very even too, 14 shots apiece. So uh, that's the type of period you want uh, when you're facing a, a hot team like Edmonton, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how high high pace you want to do it. You'd certainly want to come out ahead because you might be running just into their hands if you're going to play a high-paced, action-packed game the whole game. Because I think if you're McDavid and Dreisaitl, you're salivating when you hear that. You're like, oh, yeah, I fucking that, do it. Th- that is their style, right? It's that rush hockey. But, you know, don't get wrong, though. The, the Oilers know how to cycle a puck and create off that, but... Like you said, that's not the type of run and gun you want to go up, up against uh, McDavid and and Dreisaitl there. But I definitely thought the Kraken were the better team uh, in that first period. So kudos to them. And then just a little side note too. Assistant coach Paul McFarland of the Kraken, he took a puck off the dome in the first period. He was bleeding from the head and everything. But like a warrior he is, he was back on the bench for the second period. So not only are the players tough, but the coaches are as well, right? Yeah, I mean, coaches, you're supposed to lead the team, so it's kind of tough to be able to ask the players to do stuff you're not willing to do yourself, and he shows he's willing to do it. I'll take a puck to the face and come right back, boys. You damn well better do it, too. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's how you set an example for the boys, right? They're willing to block shots. You're willing to block shots. <laughs> Just uh, maybe maybe don't use it off your head next time, though. That's 
Uh, it's a bit risky, but uh, some Doug Glass never, stuff right nevertheless, there. he was back in it and ready to go. So, uh, and then yeah, four minutes into the second period, the crack and get their first look on the power play. And, you know, McCann had a, a lot of good chances there. The Kraken had three or four great looks, but no goal to show for it. And it would cost them not bearing a goal because you've seen a Bouchard bomb from the point that finds its way through Grubauer and we're tied up once again. Uh-oh. It would appear the game would be another seesaw battle for the Kraken too, though, as Riley Sheehan steals a puck in the neutral zone, taps it to Cole Lind, who one-touches it over to Blackwell, splits the D, goes in alone, and pops a beautiful backhander top shelf. Cracking up for the third time this game. Yeah, that was a heck of a backhand, too, from Blackwell. You know, just goes in, splits the D, uh, you know, fakes the goalie out with that one fake shot, and then just puts it backhand top chat. So uh, those were my favorite goals to score was uh, backhand goals <laughs> back in the day when I played. Just love the feeling of them. Just great. Yeah, they then, are nice when they just kind of come off and no one really knows where it's going but you. Yeah, exactly. I, I loved them. They're they're very satisfying. And the goals kept coming too. Uh, this time it was JoJo out front with his stick on the ice, holding it nice and steady. And Wenberg rips a hard pass towards him and a tap in goal. And just like that, it's 4-2 cracking. So huge goal there. Yeah, but then right after that, when he's going to head off in the box for, you know, tripping McDavid. And of course the strong play from the Kraken continued though, killing off a minute 46 of it before the period ended. Exactly what you're looking for to close it out. Oh yeah. Head into the third period with a two goal lead, you know, find a way to stay out of the box and keep playing great hockey. That's pretty much what you got to do. And you know, the Kraken had a great second period. They only gave up four shots in that period. And they had a lead 24 to 18 heading into the, the third there. But uh, yeah, anytime you could shut down uh, their power play, that's huge. And it was all Grubauer too in the first half of uh, the third period, just being steady like a rock, not giving Edmonton any chance to get back into the game. Yanni Gord was out there just sprawling around in front, you know, getting in front of any puck he could, sacrificing the body. So, you know, just being a buzzsaw that he is, it was great to see that. And then the Kraken did get another look on the power play themselves. Yamamoto uh, hits Cole Lind up high with a bit of a dirty looking hit there, which is hard to believe too, because Yamamoto is well coming in at five foot eight on a good day. <laughs> Regardless, it was the right call. So um, <laughs> Geeky got robbed hard on the power play though. And then Edmonton would come down the ice still shorthanded. Uh, just as they entered the zone, though, you know, that power play would expire. And McJesus tips one home right after the power play expires and back to a one-goal game with 8.16 left to play. So tons of time, right? Yeah, which is exactly not what you want. McDavid's starting to feel it. He touches one home. That was a nice tip, too, on the backhand coming across and pulls it back towards himself. So great. Now he's feeling good. Plenty of time left in the game. Yeah, plenty of time. And then uh, once again, 520 left in the third. It's Warren Fogle going off for a trip. Power play for the Kraken, 0 for 3 on the night. So you have to try to put this game away here on on this power play chance, right? Like stay aggressive, push for another goal. Um, They did, they pressed, but unfortunately they slipped to 0 and 4 uh, on the night on the power play. And then here comes the push from Edmonton, right? 
Yeah, and then to make things worse, Adam Larson catches dry side up high and goes to the sin bin again, only this time for roughing with a minute and a half left to play. So six on four for the Oilers. Holy shit, that was intense, dude. Dude, that was insane. The last minute 31 there, it was just crazy. Edmonton had all the pressure. Guys were just jumping in front of pucks. They were doing anything to get that win. Uh, Grubauer was an absolute beast. The Kraken got the win, though. Team's a wagon, right? Team's a wagon after this. Yeah, and that was Seattle's first ever win against a divisional opponent in their history. And just what a gutsy performance by this team in this one. Yeah, it's hard to pick because there was so many standouts. Like the whole team was on the same level and just playing fantastic all the way through. Everyone was in the right spots. It was extremely structured. Yes, was by far one of the best games I've seen this team play. And the fact that they've had like some of their top guys out for this one, just un- unbelievable. Like, and and it just tell if you look at the stats too, like uh they do all the explaining. No player had more than a point than a single point in this one. Um, so everybody it was, it was get it done by committee and do whatever it took to win this hockey game. McCann led the way with five shots. He was just all over it, especially on the power play. And then what a big game for Adam Larson there, right? Uh, you know, he did take a couple penalties, but he scored a huge goal. Uh, and he had a great stat line in it too. You know, he had two hits, led the team with five block shots. So he led that department for the Kraken and played a team high 21-48 uh, in the hockey game. So that earned him the pirate hat in the room. So, you know, what a game for the Kraken here. And, you know, they've just been on fire as of as of recently, haven't they? Yeah, they've just been firing on all cylinders. It doesn't matter who they're playing against, whether it's a top team in the league or an absolute duster at Buffalo. I mean, they're just firing. <laughs> they are and you know besides buffalo their last four wins they're all teams who are top eight in the nhl and standings currently so those are absolutely huge wins that you're getting and you know we can't go without saying like kudos to this crowd this kraken crowd in seattle is just on friggin believable how loud they are like it sounded like a playoff game like it was it blew me away dude um yeah, credit to this crowd. I it makes me think like how has this team or how has there not been a team in Seattle all these years? Just crazy. Yeah, good thing there's one in you know South Florida and Arizona. Yeah, yeah, that kind of blows my mind. And I never really thought of Seattle as like a huge hockey market. I just not familiar with the city much. Like I know they're a huge sports place, but um, yeah, the the fact that you know, you, I don't know if there was buildings that could be that loud in playoffs. Like the, the building was absolutely rocking from the start all the way to the end. And God damn, I want to go to a game in Seattle so bad. Yeah, and, that'd certainly be something to do for sure. Yeah, it would be great. So yeah, now the Kraken are five, one and one in their last seven. So they're starting to creep up in the standings uh, and they, they're currently six points out of a playoff spot. So how crazy is that? Can, you know, when you look at the start that they had to the season. Yeah. That they're even talking playoffs as a possibility is a testament to how much this team has turned things around. Hugely, hugely turned things around. So 
let's just take a look at some of these matchups coming up too, because uh, they're obviously looking to build off these performances. Hopefully they'll be a bit more healthier too going forward. Monday, December 6th, they play the Pittsburgh Penguins. So a team I know you're quite familiar with. So they're 10, 8, and 5 so far. God damn, that's a lot of OT losses so far. They're sitting fourth in the Metro right now. Uh, and they're 2, 2, and 1 in their last five games. So let's kind of break down this matchup against Pittsburgh and what you expect. Oh, I expect it to be a hard-fought game from both ends. You know, Pittsburgh's kind of hit and miss with their defensive game throughout the year, but that's one thing that's been steady there is their goaltending. Everyone wants to shit on Tristan Jerry for the last couple playoffs and, you know, last year probably rightfully so. It wasn't his best. He might have straight up given away two game-winning goals, but he is back with a fucking vengeance right now. So that's something Seattle's going to have to look out for if Jerry's in net is he's on fire. Yeah, he's having quite the turnaround. So, you know, I, I know for a fact nobody's missing Matt Murray in Pittsburgh. Tristan Jerry's been an absolute beast for them this year and a, a huge reason why uh, they're in, they're where they are right now in the standings. And that's all this team really needed to do was just continue to play pretty good hockey and, uh, you know, try to wait it out until they get more healthier, right? Yeah, I think Malkin started skating again. So, you know, that's certainly progress. They talked about December 1st would be the absolute earliest he'd be back. And I think I heard it's going to be, he's a ways away yet. So probably January, maybe hopefully not February you're looking at. I'm sure he wants to try and play in the Olympics. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's definitely wanting to be back for that. And then not only him, but you got Brian Russ sidelined right now as well with a, uh, Bit of a bit of mid to long term entry, would you say? Yeah, anytime Sully says it's week to week, you're probably assuming he's out a month. And it's actually yeah. a couple times Rusty's been hurt this season, too. Yeah, so tough for him, tough look there, but uh, definitely uh, gonna be a great matchup against Pittsburgh here. Excited for that one. Um, looking ahead, too, they play, uh, they've got a couple game or a couple days off and then. You know, still at home, and they face a Winnipeg team who is 11, 8, and 4 so far this year. Uh, 26 points, which is good for third in the Central. Although, you know, I think there's like four or five teams within that 26 to 25 point range in the Central. So, you know, just a bit of a crapshoot there. But, you know, what, what do you have to say about this Winnipeg team? Like, in, in my opinion, you know, they're, they've disappointed, even though that's not a bad record 11 8 and 4 um you know i'm sure you'd be happy with that but i feel like they're underperforming what do you think yeah that's exactly how i'd put it like i'm sure there's some fan bases that would be like yeah 26 points we're third in the central we're in a playoff spot that's great not winnipeg they're like we were supposed to win this shit we had a terrible yeah. couple weeks there they just turned it around with a big win against new jersey the other night hopefully you know, I've got a couple futures on them, so hopefully they turn it around. <laughs> a couple future bets uh, out there for them, you're saying? I might have been one of those people who thought they'd win the division, so if they could get their shit together, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, two and three in their last five, but like you said, they're coming off a huge 8-4 victory against uh, New Jersey the other night, and one of the guys who's been off to a very slow start had a huge night, and that's Mark Shifley who uh, had a four point night for them. So, you know, if, if he could get back to his, 
you know, top 10 NHL scoring potential where, you know, he, he's been one of those players in the past, uh, still quite young. Uh, they could definitely get things going. You know, they did a lot of moves in the off season to you steady their defense and, you know, kind of restructure it a bit, bring in some big bodies. Um, and yeah, definitely. I think I had them pegged for second in the central going into the season. So, you know, they're not far off that they're tied for third right now. You know, a lot of good teams are coming up though. You got Colorado behind them and, you know, others who are going to be making big pushes. So you, you gotta, you gotta think they're going to be in the hunt, but I feel like they have disappointed, but you know, maybe they're ready to turn the corner here. Uh, let's just hope that it doesn't happen against the crack. And I think this is going to be a fun matchup to watch Two very high paced teams uh, who can score a lot of goals now because the crack and our team who scores. So, uh, and Winnipeg can certainly put the puck in the net, right? Like uh, you got Kyle Connor there. Who's on an absolute tear and on pace for, you know, a career best. So, you know, I'm pretty stoked about that because I have him on my, my fantasy team. So kudos to Kyle Connor. <laughs> Yeah, who'd have thought that uh, Winnipeg would trade Patrick Laine and then have a, you know, rocket candidate again? Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what Kyle Connor brings, right? He's he, he he does it all, and he's you know electrifying out there. One of the best skaters, really fast player out there. So, you know, but the Kraken are going to shut them down. And uh, what's a prediction? What's a score prediction here for Winnipeg? Yeah. Ooh, it's good. I'm gonna say they hit the over. I'll go the six four final. I don't know for who. It'll just be six four. Okay, six four. Six we'll four for the, whoever scores first. We'll jump into the Pittsburgh one because we didn't uh, give a score prediction here. I'm gonna oh. go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it's a four three overtime win. Ooh, good call. Tough. Thanks. Thanks for the point. You know, I appreciate that. Yeah, you get it one time. You get the point one time. So everybody gets one. Time. Thanks, Spider Man. Everybody gets one. <laughs> okay, and then yeah, third matchup of the week comes a big Saturday matchup. Uh, still at home, that'll be wrapping up their home stand against Columbus, who they're twelve and nine, twenty four points. That's good for fifth in the Metro, and another team who's two three and zero oh in their last five. So uh, you know, what do you expect from this matchup? A grinding defensive game, typical with what Columbus has been for the last three or four years. You know they're steadily doing it by committee over there. It doesn't matter who's moved in, who's moved out. Panarin, Duchesne, Jones, fuck them all, Bobrovsky. They don't care. Columbus is just like we're gonna keep going to work, boys. Grab your lunch pail. It's time to go. Yeah, they're they're still one of those hardworking, grinding teams. They haven't lost that culture with uh, all the movement of players that have gone in and out. So, you know, I'm expecting a low scoring battle. Uh, that's just the way Columbus plays, uh, and it a bit it'll be a bit of a revenge game too for the Kraken who lost them two one in overtime earlier in the year in another you know low scoring defensive battle. But um, I say the Kraken are going to take at least two of these three games. So I got them beating Columbus. I'm going to say, I'm going to say three, one, three, one. Oh, win. I was going to say three, one, two. Yeah. So well, three, one, it is. You. Yeah. I beat you to it. So yeah. Excited to see those games and uh, you know, hopefully the Kraken continue this trend of, you know, just, amazing hockey that they're playing so you know the, the confidence is high so let's hope it uh, stays that way football fans 
I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, Kraken fans, welcome back to episode 12 of Keeping Up with the Krakens. We got a bit of a prospect update to go through here. Since we're talking about World Juniors already, why not talk about a guy you're going to see in it, like we mentioned before, Matthew Beneers, you know, first ever prospect drafted through in or in the system here so let's just talk about him for a second Durham uh what do you got to say about Matthew Beneers and what we expect to see in the world juniors from him well I wholeheartedly expect him to be USA's best forward probably wearing an A I assume Sanderson will be captain but he's going to be put on in every situation he's going to be put on to try and get a goal late in the game. He's going to be put on trying to keep a one-goal lead late in the game. First power play, probably first penalty kill, depending if they don't want to wear him out playing the shit out of him all the time. But I expect him to wholly lead that USA team. Yeah, especially offensively, right? Like, um, you know, he might not have the the amount of points as Azegris did uh, last year because he is so committed to that two-way game and he does take care of the defense first, but it's got to be close to that. Uh, You know, he's going to be putting up really good numbers. You know, he's still an offensive stud. Uh, He's going to be so exciting to watch. And like you said, he's going to be a leader on this team. So, um, you know, right now he's doing pretty good on his uh, NCAA team too for Michigan. So uh, currently tied for third in team in the team for points. So, Uh, You know, I think the last time we talked about him, he was, what, fifth or sixth. So, you know, he's definitely hit an offensive spurt and hit it at the right time right before taking off to uh, the USA World Junior Camp. Uh, So good time to get hot for him, right? Oh, yeah. Get hot, stay hot. I mean, unless you're playing Canada, then you can cool down for a game or two if you don't mind. But (laughs) if you don't mind, uh, but, you know, what happens happens. You know, he's yeah. leading his uh, NCAA team, too, with 11 goals in 16 games. So uh, I think he has the potential to to lead the tournament in goals. What do you think? I mean, anytime you're leading a league where it's mostly men, I'm going to say you're going to do all right going to play against a te- tournament of teenagers. Yeah, and it's not like he's inexperienced, right? He, he's been there. He's done that. He's won gold already. So, you know, expect big things from him. He's going to be a huge part of that team. Next up, Riker Evans. So just wanted to hop in here and uh, talk about his uh, progression. He, he basically is still on that same pace as last time. Uh, 
you know, he's got 22 points and 22 games played. So just talk about him for a second. Yeah. I mean, like you said before, when we were talking, he's kind of been a point of game guy his whole career in the WHL there. So to see him only be 22 points in 22 games, you're kind of hoping to see a little bit more offense from him. But also on the other end is you're kind of hoping that he's taken a lot of the tougher defensive assignments this year. So maybe that's something to try and get ready for the pro ranks next season where he's just going to focus on defense. He knows he's got the offensive side figured out. Yeah, exactly. So, and taking a look, I mean, he's got four goals already. His career high is seven, so still plenty of hockey left. I'm sure he's going to smash that record or smash his, his own personal record. And, you know, he plays for the Regina Pats in the WHL, and he's been an assistant captain for that team last year in their shortened season. And then, of course, this year once again, too. And, you know, if you ever get a chance to watch that team, definitely do it because uh, they have got some good players on that team, don't they? Connor Bedard, future Seattle yeah. Kraken. <laughs> you know, Calling you, it. You, you never want to do bad in a season, but if you're going to pick high in the draft, and this, of course, we're talking about the 2023 draft, Connor Bedard is right there, you know, for the taking or – there's always the Russian kid, right? Matvey Michkov, who is uh, looking like an absolute stud and a crazy good prospect in that draft as well. So, uh, you know, it would be pretty cool that guy's electrifying. And, you know, if you ever get a chance to watch a Regina Pats game, definitely do it. Check out Riker Evans and definitely get a look at Connor Bedard because, uh, yeah, he, he's fun to watch for sure. Yeah, he's something else. Yeah, and then moving right along, we have our sixth rounder, a Russian goalie that we took, Semyon Vazavoy. 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 I actually do not know how to pronounce it. I think it's Vazavoy, to be completely honest. Usually Elite Prospects shows you the breakdown of uh, how to pronounce the name, but they don't even have it up. So clearly they don't even know how to pronounce it. But definitely worth mentioning with the stats he's putting up right now, right? Yeah, I mean, anytime you go 14, 5, and 1 in 20 games, you're doing pretty damn good. Not to mention a 942 save percentage, a 169 goals against, and four of those 14 wins, shutouts. Yeah, that's just bonkers. And yeah, and, and who's he playing for again? Uh, Tulpar Ufa in the Russian Junior League, which, you know, you'll see a lot abbreviated as the MHL. Yeah, so that's the Russian Junior League. So he's putting up pretty nasty numbers uh, in that league. And again, he's only 18 still. Um, so he's going to be there next year, um, most likely. He might even get some looks up in, in a different league. Who knows? Uh, get some higher competition because this is back-to-back seasons. He's putting up ridiculous numbers. And two of those three shutouts have come in the last three games. So, uh, you know, he's getting hot right now and he's continuing that trend. So that's nothing but encouraging to see that and you know a little disappointed he did not get invited to uh the russian uh world junior roster did he no he wasn't one of the four they invited to camp there on the uh well camp or their prelim roster they call it but i think like uh the point i said earlier there is they've got askarov so after that does it really matter yeah you expect uh yaroslav askarov to take the reins in net for the Russian junior team. I mean, that's, that's just a given the guy's a stud. Uh, what was he picked? Uh, 11th overall in the 2020 draft. 
Yep, to Nashville there. And I mean, this is what, yeah. like his 45th World Juniors, so he should know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, you, you think he's going to be primed, of course. Yeah, I believe he was a starter when he was 17 for them. So um, that guy's definitely going to carry the workload. Um, but it would have been nice to see uh, Sammy on there get a chance to just experience it. But, you know, he's still going to get a, get a crack at that next season, of course. So, uh, you know, hoping he definitely gets invited next season. But, you know, kudos to him for the numbers he's putting up right now. Yeah, so moving down on the list too. Um, you know, we have our third rounder here, Ryan Winterton. Don't got much to say about him. Uh, when he does play, he's going to be uh, with Hamilton in the OHL. Uh, it's the Ontario Hockey League. But he's still recovering from an off-season shoulder surgery. So he's yet to play a game this year. And he never even played a game last year because of the COVID lockout in the OHL. So, so when he does play, it'll be exciting to see what he's able to do because, uh, you know, being a high third round pick, you feel like you, you have some potential there, right? Yeah. I mean, Francis and company obviously thought he had something there to give a professional organization taking him that high. It's unfortunate. He's got to deal with all these injuries and the bad timing of the COVID killing the OHL season last year, but hopefully he heals well. All right. Get some games in this year. We'll see how he does next season. Yeah. He's definitely got to, you know, get as many games in as possible because at, at that point that's, definitely hurting your development at that age uh, going that long without playing any or hockey games so tough for him but it will definitely keep you updated when he does get back and uh you know see what kind of numbers and see how he does so you know hopefully a speedy recovery for him and you know moving along our fifth rounder that we took uh jacob melanson who's playing for the uh, acadia bathers titans a pretty bad team this year, but you know, Melanson's been holding his own playing top minutes on that squad. He's got 12 goals in 23 games. So 18 points overall, which isn't too, too bad. Um, the big thing is he's got 38 penalty minutes this year. So he's roughing it up this year, isn't he? Well, he's probably doing whatever the hell he can to get off the ice and get out of that game. Stop getting his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. Like, Credit to him, he's playing first line on the team. Still 18, of course, but, you know, he's a guy who, you know, he's he's put up decent numbers. Uh, his goal scoring has gone way up, so that's always a good sign. Um, but, you know, obviously he's not on the radar for, like, a Team Canada. But you never know what next year could bring, right? Your, your 19-year-old World Juniors or, or junior year, um, you know, if he gets hot and he's got a ridiculous – points per game next season and continue to to grow and develop then he could be on that radar right yeah absolutely i mean if you have a good season hockey canada will bring just about damn near anybody they've shown if you have a really good season they'll leave you at home though yeah it's gonna say if your last name is or first name's brink and your last name's clark then you're shit out of luck because you're not getting an invite so it seems like yeah Still baffled about that, but uh, we can't uh, not talk about Alexander True, who, of course, uh, is playing in the a uh, the AHL right now for Charlotte. Uh, he was picked up in the expansion draft from San Jose. This guy's a big six foot five centerman here. Uh, he's already twenty four years old, so he's you know kind of coming out of that prospect range, but still young enough to be that prospect. 
So, you know, he's playing some pretty good hockey down there. He's, he's leading uh, that team with points. He's got 16 points in 20 games, seven of those being goals, nine assists. So, you know, centering that top line down there. And uh, yeah, I just had to ask you, do you think he gets a call up next or, or sometime soon? I think he'd certainly be deserving of it. I mean, I don't know. I think if they would have liked to call him up, he'd give him a shot last time there, but they went with Cole Lynn. So it could be his age might be working against him a little bit, whereas they want to give their younger guys a shot and see what they've got there. Whereas with True, they know what they've got. He's kind of panned out a little bit. You know what you're going to get out of him when you do call him up. He'll be a bottom six checking line kind of guy. Yeah, but yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to watch. He's put up some pretty good numbers through his AHL career, and he's only gotten a handful of NHL games. He had 12 back in uh, the 1920 season with San Jose, had four assists. So it's not too bad, probably playing fourth line too. 1920, uh, how old is this guy? 24 years old, right? So 24 already, um, and then... Uh, just last season too, he was able to get seven games in with San Jose, just reg- registered the one assist. And, um, you know, so far this year, hasn't got a look, but, uh, you know, if they take some, uh, some damage up the middle and get into some injury trouble, then, you know, I think this guy probably has deserved at least a look, at least a few games to see, you know, what you can do. Be good to see that big body kind of be a, be a shutdown guy at the NHL level and see what he's made of. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue to track it and see, but uh, you know, he offensively wise, he's off to a pretty good start in the NHL for, for a Charlotte team. That's kind of struggling right now. Yeah. Especially being a big body guy. If you can bring a little bit of offense, those are two big pluses that a lot of teams will love. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And then we cannot end this episode without mentioning some NHL news here. We got a huge contract here to talk about. Uh, so Jack Hughes signs a big eight year, $64 million contract. That's eight by eight. And just give me your thoughts on this deal and what it means for the young rising star, Jack Hughes, who went, uh, you know, first overall in the 2019 draft. It means Nico, he sure should have been hurt a little bit more. He might've got a few more bucks. Yeah, but he's dealing with his own injuries right now too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's kind of been in and out of the lineup, but uh, he already got his contract, so they don't really care about that. But, I mean, it's a bit of an overpayment for Hughes right now. He did look like a hell of a star that was going to be last year. He had a good start, and then this season he started real hot again and then before getting hurt. So you hope he can kind of pick up where he left off there. But going forward, it's like, hey, buddy, you better start scoring. Like We can't be paying you eight mil for you to – score 45 points yeah they're definitely betting on him to uh continue to develop and he's only got five games so far this year he's got four points though so i mean pretty good luck there um you know last year uh he had a pretty healthy season at least he had 31 points in 56 games and then of course in his first year when you know new jersey was just bad he you know was a minus 26 had 21 points in 61 games. And I think uh, that shocked a lot of people because a lot of people thought he'd be that 60, 70 point guy in his first year, right? Yeah, I've seen a lot of media were pegging him for around 55, 60 points in his rookie season. And it's like, isn't the kid like 140 pounds soaking wet? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Maybe give him a year. 
Yeah. The funny thing is his brother has definitely outplayed him so far um, at the NHL level. And he got less of a contract with, with uh, Vancouver. So it's funny how it works sometimes, isn't it? And especially being a defenseman, like that's a hot commodity that was getting paid this summer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No kidding. So, you know, kudos to Jack Hughes who cashed in big. Um, still a guy though, who, you know, I think he's got the potential to be that absolute stud and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see it even this year or next year, he breaks into a point per game to over a point a game guy as early as next season. And that contract starts paying off earlier than later. So, uh, you know, kudos to him. Get Holtz on his wing. That's all the man needs. Yeah. I mean, you got Holtz, another young stud who can put the puck in the back of the net. And then, you know, it definitely doesn't hurt signing that big contract with Dougie Hamilton to get to play with on the power play for, you know, the next seven years or, or whatnot. So that's huge too. That's definitely going to be a boost to, to him and his stats. Heischer, Holtz, Hughes, Hamilton. Who else would be on that power play? It has to start with an H, too. That's the rule, apparently, in New Jersey. <laughs> Jesper Hrat? 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 That cool guy's flip. been... Uh, a cool whip. That guy's been hot, been hot fire re- recently. So, uh, yeah, I, I like what New Jersey's done with uh, how they're building their team. So it's taken them a while, but they do look like a team who's who's turning the corner. And to lock in a, a stud like Hughes for a price like that, three years from now, that might be a steal of a contract. So, you know, especially when if you're comparing him to guys who like Mitch Marner, you know, who are making eleven and a half. So. Uh, kudos to him yeah <laughs> oops to that yeah that that was always an overpayment from the start so suck it to you whoa i kind of <laughs> live around there buddy yeah <laughs> you gotta take some heat sometimes when you when you make bad decisions so oh fuck but, yeah they made some dumb ones <laughs> yeah but uh how, how can i bash them they've won like 13 of their last 15 games so Getting hot at the wrong time, that's for sure. <laughs> ah, that's Toronto for you. Get hot in the yeah. first three months of the year. They're kind of like yeah. Buffalo, except they don't go full bad. They just, oh, shit. We made playoffs, but we were only here for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, that about wraps up uh, episode 12 here. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Join us next week as we break down the next three Kraken games, plus keep you up to date with all things Kraken NHL news, and we definitely will be get uh, getting back into tossing each other in the deep end the next episode. So thanks very much for listening. Uh, have a great week, crackheads, and we'll talk to you later.